Merry Christmas, everybody. So glad that you're here. Thank you for making uh, Mariner's Church part of your Christmas celebration. Uh, how many of you have some routines, some, some traditions that you do this time of year? Anyone? I mean, uh, just kind of morning donuts, uh, special, you know. My parents used to sleep under the Christmas tree on the 23rd, so like last night, like our whole family would sleep under the tree. My dad would like pretend like he was going to, and then he would go to his bed when we fell asleep, uh, like you do. But, but then we would wake up in the morning, and then we would go all together to this Greasy Spoon Diner downtown Claremont where I grew up, and we walk around downtown, and that was, that was one of our traditions. Uh, Hillary and I are not planning on sleeping under the tree, uh, but what we do is we make a big deal about lighting the tree. So uh, Hillary's been singing Christmas music since July. Uh, so when, when Thanksgiving was over, the next day, instead of going out shopping on Black Friday, we set up our tree. And that tree was up, and I was carrying this big monstrosity from the garage because it's fake. Uh, and we put it down, and then we are, she goes and she gets the tub that has all the ornaments, you know, with the cardboard that divides them, and try to stay organized. And so we're starting to do the thing, and the lights are already on because I'm smart. <laughs> the lights stay attached to the tree. And, uh, and then we realize that this is like a special moment, and Jack, our almost two-year-old son, isn't with us. He's asleep. It's like 9 p.m. And so Hillary's like, I think I need to get Jack. I'm like, I don't think you need to get Jack. Uh, no, no, this is going to be a tradition. We should do this as a family. I'm like, okay, we're going to pay for this tomorrow. She goes up. She gets him. He comes down like this. like, And then, oh, sees this glowing thing. And then she gives him a little ornament. And he puts it on. And it was this magical little Christmas miracle. Uh, but maybe you do something like that, and maybe you can relate to my real, that, not real, but that's actually our tree. And uh, on it, you'll see all kinds of ornaments. Uh, some fancy ones that someone gave us, other weird ones that someone gave us, uh, the ones that are so sweet from mom or from some other relative where they write some long note and put the date at the bottom. Do you have those ornaments? Anyone in school do the uh, yogurt top Ornament? Will you punch? No, not a not a soul. Just yes. Okay, thank you. I, apparently, my ghetto school did uh, uh, yogurt tops and and did a little string, and we hang those, and they put like a circular picture on of them that fades. You don't even know who the picture was anymore. But but you can't throw it away because it's like sacrilegious. You got to save all the ornaments. You'll notice at the very top of the tree is a star. Star, how many have stars on your trees at home? You're not a bad person if you don't, but a star is kind of like a significant thing at this time of year. A star uh, played a significant role. You might recognize this cartoon-looking manger scene where the star is just brilliant and hanging above this manger as if to tell people, hey, there's something going on here. And sure, if there's a God out there, and if there's a God that's going to announce that his, his like God in flesh showed up on earth, he could do whatever he wants, right? Like a star, one simple star is pretty low profile when you're God. This is what the Bible says about this, the capacity, the bigness of God. Let's read this verse from Isaiah. It says, I alone am God, the first and the last. It was my hand that laid the foundations of the earth. My right hand that spread the heavens above. When I call out the stars, they all appear in order. He says, fall in stars, and they do. And not just like a single file line, like, like more stars that you can than you can imagine. Stars that are even bigger than our earth. 
He just kind of spits stars into existence. He snaps and just stuff happens in the cosmos. It's unbelievable. That is the kind of God. If you're God, you might as well be like that. And so there's people in that day that are thinking, well, there's this massive star that's hanging out there. I wonder if we can explain that. We can figure that out. And so people for years have, have wondered what that actually was. Some thought it was like a comet, you know, slowly moving across the sky. Halley's Comet, for instance, is the one that we can actually see from Earth. And every 75 years it rotates around and you can see Halley's Comet slowly make its way. You can't even tell it's moving until you wake up the next night and it's a little bit further. 1986 was the last time that it appeared, and it was on record that 12 BC, Halley's Comet was in the sky. And so scientists are like, well, 12 BC, that's like 12 years before Christ, so that couldn't have been the star over Bethlehem. Maybe it was a supernova, a champagne supernova in the sky. It just, it just kind of burst onto the scene. A, a supernova is a stellar explosion that emits as much energy and heat as a regular star does its entire lifespan, even like our sun, just over the course of a few weeks or a few months. So think, maybe it was a supernova in the sky, but it doesn't really matter. God could have done whatever he wanted to do. He's God. He just, he just makes stars. And they fall in line. He just does what he wants to do. In fact, he, he hangs a sun in our galaxy that we kind of, in our little solar system that our earth rotates around. Did you know that this sun, if we're just a, a fraction, if just a little bit further away from our sun, we would freeze and life on this planet would not exist? If we were just a little bit closer to the sun, we would all burn up and life on this planet couldn't exist. The sun itself is a reminder from God saying, every time you see the sun rise in the east, you can remember that it's a new day, that yesterday is done with, that you have a new start today. When you see the sun in this beautiful sky, reflecting off the ocean that somehow he created with waves that just keep coming, and you see these wave after wave, and you see the sun setting in the west and our beautiful coast, maybe the reason why some of you live here, so that you can surf and you can take in that beauty. When you see it setting, you can know that God is reminding you that when the sun goes down and it gets dark and you go to bed, that there's someone bigger than you that keeps this whole story going, that you are not your own God, that you sleep, and while you sleep, things still exist. And things are still happening. God also reminds us that he's there through rainbows. He paints these colors just for fun in the sky to remind us that, hey, there was this one time, like in Noah days, when I flooded the earth, I'm never going to do that again. So I show off by just showing you beauty. Wow, how do you like that? That's just a bunch of color for you to enjoy today after I just saturated the earth with some rain so that your crops could grow. That happens here once every few years. But uh, in other parts of the world, it happens a lot more. God holds the very earth in the palm of his hand, he says. The whole earth. And not even just the earth, because the earth is just like a cute little guy in our solar system. He holds the solar system in the palm of his hand. He's like a globetrotter with planets on his finger. That's the kind of God we're talking about. And the solar system is just like a cute little uh, punk kid in the larger galaxy. And then there's like a bunch of local galaxies that are together in this expansive universe that we don't even know how big it is because our smartest scientists can't even see that far 
or think that big. That's the kind of God that we're talking about. And so if you were that kind of a God, if you were God and you wanted to get the attention of humankind, people who you had made, people who you had designed, people who you breathed breath into their lungs, and you wanted to remind them, hey, I'm here, I love you, just like a parent loves his kid, I love you and I want a relationship with you. And if humankind was kind of just doing our own thing and kind of making our own little sand castles and thinking that we're our own little gods of our own little worlds, not paying any attention to this incredibly big God, what would you do? You have everything at your disposal. You could have the biggest cosmic fireworks show in history. You could do whatever you wanted to get the attention and say, hey, look up here. I'm your God. I created you. There's a guy that I read about a few Christmases ago. He was on the show Secret Millionaire, if you've ever heard of that or seen that show. His name is Mark, and Mark, uh, he, was, he had a lot of wealth, but he didn't have a lot of happiness. He didn't have a person in his life, and he thought he would be happy if he had that special person. So at Christmas, he put up this billboard. All I want for Christmas is a Latina girlfriend. And then he put his grill up there right next to that. And, uh, and his email address underneath, thinking this would be the Christmas present that I want. I was just on TV. People will recognize me. This will go great. So after about a week or 10 days, that billboard was torn down by vandals who were mad about it. But in that span of time, he got 15,000 emails from people probably wanting all kinds of things, but some of them, a lot of women, probably Latino women, who wanted dates. Do you think that Mark found love that Christmas? No, he didn't find what he was looking for. You know why? Because when you put that kind of thing on display, hey, I'm Mark, I'm the secret millionaire guy, and I want a girlfriend, you always have to wonder if the person really loves you or if they're just using you for something that they want in their life, some way that they want to feel or some security that they feel like they're missing. Have you ever thought that God has a similar dilemma? I mean, he's the God of everything. He just kind of speaks galaxies into existence. He keeps this whole world turning on his hand. He breathes breath into our lungs. That's the bigness of our God. Do you realize that he has a similar dilemma? And so how do you think that he got our attention? He did it like this. He showed up in the most ironic, humble, vulnerable way that you can imagine. He hung one little special star in the sky to show some shepherds, the lowliest people in that culture, where to go. And he gave his, his own kid, God in skin, he gave him to a randomly, seemingly random 15-year-old and 17-year-old to watch over. He came just like you to relate to you like a baby. But here's the downside of coming in the most ironic, unexpected, shocking way is that a lot of people missed him. Even his own dad, Joseph, the guy who was supposed to be 
the father figure for this Jesus while he grow up. You can call him Joe. Joe, Joe almost opted out when Mary said, hey, I'm pregnant and it's a God thing, not a you thing. He was thinking, you know, that's, that's cool and all, but I, I'll pass on that story and I think I'll find a different wife until God got his attention. He almost missed it. And in the rest of Jesus' life, people were almost missing him and not getting it and even offended that this is how God shows up. No, I don't buy it. Yeah, you're doing a lot of miracles and things like that, but you might be pulling strings. There might be some kind of weird voodoo thing happening or people in the back behind the curtain that are making, I don't think that I, I don't think that I buy this. How could the God of everything be like that? Just a kind of regular this doesn't make any sense. In fact, there was prophecy that, that a lot of the religious people were banking on, and it didn't really jive with how they viewed Jesus. This is what the prophet Isaiah said, Here's my servant whom, I'm, whom I uphold, my chosen one in whom I delight. I will put my spirit on him, and he will bring justice to the nations. And so people, religious people, good Good, you know, well-meaning people are looking for this Savior who will bring justice to the nations. And some of you are like, exactly, we need justice in this day too. This world is chaotic. There are people doing all kinds of crazy things and getting away with it. We need justice. And so they too were looking for someone who would come in and make it right. Set this backwards world right. Who's this guy just walking around healing people one at a time? Justice for the nations is what we're looking for. And then this other prophecy, his government and its peace will never end. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. So they're looking for a king on a throne. And so you can imagine, I don't see chariots and horses. I see a donkey that this dude rolls in on. I, I don't see, you know, all of this grandeur in a palace and a throne and a gold scepter and a crown. I see just a regular looking dude with dusty feet. And most of them missed him. And we still miss him. If you can relate to me, because I, I, I've missed him. Because I think that God should have shown up and made something right in my life. That should have, God, you should have fixed this relationship. It wasn't supposed to end like that. God, you're the God of everything, for crying out loud. Can't you heal her? I've lived that story. I prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed. You can like just talk the galaxy into existence and you can't just heal this person? I expected the God of everything to show up and to do this kind of stuff. To make this right, to fix this situation, to, to rectify this circumstance, to make me better. And we can miss him. Because he doesn't always just change the circumstances like that. He doesn't just fix all the world's problems in a moment. He had something else in mind. It was... It was different, but perhaps, just maybe, the most incredible display of his love was actually in the simple coming as a vulnerable human. 
Look at what this famous verse says. This is John 3, 16 and 17. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but eternal life, live forever. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Not to condemn, but to save. And so when Jesus grew and he walked this earth and he healed people and he eventually went to this cross and he died on a cross and everyone thought, well, that's for sure not God because he's dead. This has to be all wrong. And he raises from the dead and he says, that was my plan all along. Now everything is forgiven. Now, there's still a bigger story, and we'll still have justice, and we'll still see things fixed eventually. But for right now, I came to forgive you, to have relationship with you, to restore the connection that I always designed us to have. I don't want you feeling like you have to run your own show. I'll be your God. We'll walk together. I came, and I related so you could relate to me. And I will always be with you. Look at what this verse says, this final verse. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. He says, and I will always be with you. Whatever it is that you're going through, God is with you. Whatever it is that you're entering into tonight or tomorrow, he might not fix the awkward family dynamic, but he'll be with you. The healing might not come like you think, like you expect or in time, but he's with you. The job may not be right or may not be offered to you when you think that you need it, but he's with you. The circumstances might not be perfect. Everything might not be made right. Everything might not be restored yet, but he is with you. And he came to earth in a vulnerable little childlike body to prove it to you. As an expression to say, I want a relationship with you. I didn't come to condemn you. I came to save you and to be with you. What will you say in response? The God who designed you, even amidst this incredibly big universe, he designed you and knows you by name and says, Christmas isn't just about Santa and presents. It's about me saying, I want you. God, thank you for that expression of incredible love that you, the God of the universe, bigger than we can even imagine. You care about the small. Me. Us. Individually. And you extend your hand at Christmas and you say, I came for you. Open our eyes, open our hearts. Compel us to respond. In Jesus' name.